Hey, thanks for listening to Suicide Buddies. We just want to say right now, before we start this episode, uh, we tell jokes about suicide, suicidal thoughts, and depression on this show. Uh, they can get real dark. And that's because we've been there, and it's how we cope with it. We hope it'll help you. It's not because we think suicide is a joke or that it would be funny if anyone committed suicide. So please just know that going into this show. And if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts or want to commit suicide, don't do it and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline right now. The number is 1-800-273-TALK. They're always there. They will talk to you. They know what you're going through. They will hear you. Please stay here with us on Earth. We're glad you're alive and enjoy the show. Best time of my life, Dave. The best time of my life. There's Folgers in my life. <laughs> best time of my life. Um, I had the time of my life. I was drinking coffee. <laughs> I can't get away from this Folgers thing. I'm a big Folgers fan. Man. I'm a big Folgers man. I'm a um, Folging man. Why is there a horse in every Folgers commercial? It's always like, it's like, yeah, you wake up in the morning, yeah. and you're blurry eyed, and you got to go out and pet the horse. You know how you're all on your ranch. <laughs> yeah. I get up in the morning, I watch one episode of the ranch, then I go work on the ranch, Dude. then I use ranch dressing on all my food. You I'm beat me to it. Up. Drink yeah. my Folgers, go to sleep. I'm a. That's weird. That I'm a. I'm a ranch. Davidian. I'm a, uh, I need slow fire roasted beans. <laughs> Ranch Davidian. Um, well, uh, here's here's the thing, man. Bleh. It's the best year bleh. coming up. Bleh. I've I've been mapping down all of the movies, map it down, and TV shows coming out over the next till about October. Oh my god, I can't wait to hear shows this. Shows I'm going to be watching. Okay. Okay. First off, I have to still see Aquatic Man. Oh, I love Aquatic Man. <laughs> water Boy. Uh, water Boy. <laughs> Dude. Water boy. Aqu- Aquaman has to fight Aquaman. the Water Boy. <laughs> Aquaman, you didn't know that? Aquaman is the sequel to Water Boy. Aquaman's, you got to tweet that. You literally yeah. have to. I'll be mad if you don't. Okay, I will and tweet that. Yeah. I, I also like to just joke that it's like his, his villain's Land Man, right? Oh, uh, oh well, yeah, I like Aqua that. Aqua and then Land. Yeah, uh, dude. dude. The Water Boy. <laughs> so I got to watch that. I got to see Glass. That yeah, just totally. Came out. The new M. Night Shyamalan the movie. The Philip Glass documentary. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's back, man. He yeah, made, dude. He made Split, which is one of the best I've heard, horror movies I've Maybe you seen. told me this, that it's like Split and Unbreakable are the, now the same universe and Glass is a sequel to both. Yep. That's crazy. I'm so, I mean, it's, I'm That's just so cool. happy. I'm just well, so happy. Well, yeah. I mean, comic book shit is cool, man. <laughs> All right, then here we go. Okay, so that's what I have to catch up on, and here we go, going into the new year. (gasps) 
You know what I just realized? <laughs> Fucking new episode of True Detective I can watch. That's exactly what Fuck. I'm talking about. Really? I'm like putting down that kind of shit on have the list. Have you seen the first two? No, no. I have to catch up on the previous season. Ooh, dude. You don't even need to have seen it. People say that, but I don't trust that. You don't have to. But, I mean, watch it. But, damn, dude. I think it's all linked like The Wire. Season I think three, it True is. Detective is the show. All right. So, February. Wait, I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> February 8th, Lego Movie 2. February 14th, Battle Angel Alita. February 15th, Doom Patrol, new show premiere. Wait, there's a Doom Patrol show coming? Yeah. What's it going to be on? Um, I think the same thing that Titans is being run on. What is that? Titans is the WB. What do you think Doom Patrol is? Doom Patrol is a fucking comic. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, it's one of the only comics I've read. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming I out, dude. I have the Doom Patrol dude, graphic novels. Brendan yeah. Fraser is like the voice of the lead. He, he's playing Robot Man. No way. It's so fucking fun. Uh, March 8th, Captain Marvel. March 22nd, uh, Us. Uh, the new... Uh, the new This Is Us? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, fuck, I had to stop. What's his name? Oh, yeah. No, the new Jordan Peele movie. Uh, oh, yeah, you can't yeah, wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this movie, this this year's looking good. Uh, also on March 22nd, The Beach Bum, which is the new Harmony Corinne movie. Oh, shit. Uh, April 5th, Shazam. April 12th, Hellboy. April 14th, Game of Thrones premiere. April 26th, New Avengers. May 10th, Detective Pikachu. May... <laughs> Swamp Thing show premiere (laughs) on the DC May 17th John Wick 3 May 24th Aladdin June 7th X-Men June 21st Toy Story 4 July 5th Spider-Man July 26th Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that's the new Quentin Tarantino movie July 20th the new uh, animated uh, movie by DC Batman Hush (sighs) October you got It coming out you got the new Harley Quinn show I'm just excited, dude. Damn, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait to just nut. Uh, Well, I've been watching corporate. (laughs) Damn, dude. You know, a part of the scheduling of watching all this stuff is at a certain point, I'm I'm like, I'm kind of fine the spaces get a little bit broader because I'm going to be catching up on shit. Oh, yeah. By that time... Doom Patrol will have been out for a while. Still need to catch up on Game of Thrones. And we can only get Doom Patrol on the weird DC app? <laughs> Fuck, dude. I want to see Doom Patrol so bad. I can send you episodes. Is it going to be a I cartoon? Get, I get it. No, no. It's a live action. <gasps> awesome. I get it through um, that dumb Russian app I oh, use. Nice. So I can just send you nice. files. Sick. <laughs> yeah, dude. You'll be also, caught up. Also, you're really up. good. I mean, you're so obsessed with this shit that you always like go see it in the theater. Tell me and take me with you because I love seeing these movies in the theater. This will be great. Oh, um, man, we got to go see Detective Pikachu together. Dude, that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's going to be the stupidest movie of all time. It's going to be the best <laughs> fucking movie of all time, dude. Ryan Reynolds basically made it. Wow. The guy who made Deadpool. Ever heard? <laughs> the guy from Waiting? <laughs> Deadpool is my favorite episode of Family Guy. By the way, welcome to Suicide Buddies. Uh, this is a mental health comedy <laughs> podcast. What we were doing. I'm Dave Ross. I'm Anthony Young. And we are two comedians who've dealt with a lot of dark shit in our lives, so we joke around about it, and hopefully it'll help you. Um, yeah. But also, we fucking love fucking pop culture, dude. <laughs> Honestly, the two of us are a little bit of nerdists. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, more, it's like... It's like Okay, I guess this year's gonna have a lot of great movies. I'm excited. Man, like, you know, it's like I, little shit that makes me happy. You know what I got? I, I actually, I definitely don't care as much about superhero shit as you. Mm-hmm. I've always liked it, but I've never like 
really gotten crazy pumped like yeah. a lot of my friends do about these movies. And then Infinity War came on Netflix and I hadn't seen it. And I watched it instead of watching the ball drop. I watched it on New Year's. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, that's right. And uh, I was like, "This is the coolest thing <laughs> I have ever seen in my life." I've never seen a movie like that. There are so many characters doing so many things in that movie that they don't even explain what's happening. Well, and that I really love. Your Honor, in my defense, uh-huh. I point that is a great point. Mm-hmm. But also, look at this list. I've put on uh, John Wick Three, Aladdin, Toy Story Four. No, that's true. New Quentin. I like I like movies, but I do overwhelmingly. I feel like I have to go see superhero movies because it's like I spent my childhood on it, so I sure. owe it to my. Well, I also child. just meant like I. <laughs> I've always liked it, and it's cool going with you. You get really excited, but seeing that movie and how just how like rich with extreme crazy superhero shit it was turned me into a person who is like really <laughs> fucking pumped about superhero shit. It's truly really, I'm a convert. No, it, it really works exactly like how comics used to work and s- still could. Um, but it, the idea is like you can just throw a person into a comic book. You don't have to start from the first. Yeah. It, like uh, th- th- this actually just came from yesterday. I was uh, looking at the Twitter feed of the guy who made this comic book called The Savage Dragon, right? For Image Comics. And it's run for like 300 plus issues. He never restarted as most in comics do. Like once you reach 100 now, they're like, restart the series, you know, like, or like put the number back at one at the top, you know? Yeah. The all new Savage Dragon now at one, you know? Yeah. But so like people were asking him this and he was responding on Twitter and he's like, that doesn't make any sense. That's that's not going to attract new readers. It's going to uh, be more confusing. And also, when I started reading comics, like you're thrown into this confusing thing, and that's kind of the appeal. You're like, how do I learn more about this? Yeah. And I feel like that's the the formula they're starting to replicate now with the movies. If you look at, say, Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh-huh. there's no Uncle Ben dying. There's no backstory. That's true. <clears throat> when they, they just sh- go. Yeah, they just go. And now people are like, if I see another Batman movie where his parents die, I'm gonna fucking lose my head. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like. Get rid of the bullshit. We all know who these characters are. Or if you don't, you can look it up and you can read, watch yeah. the other movies or or read the dude. Yeah. So I, I love I enjoy that. I loved that about Infinity War. And also, I mean, I really think like all of those Marvel movies are incredible visually, but that movie, I truly feel like is a is a feat. It's oh, like yeah. an amazing. I've never seen a movie where so much action <laughs> happens. More action happens in that movie than in most other movies combined. I'd say uh, that that, it, that movie is a cinematic achievement on yes. the level of most other cinematic achievements. Exactly. Because if you really take that this is the combined universe of many different films and things that had to work and come together, you've just never seen anything like that. It's not and like you watch you 20 want... westerns and it all forms into one western. Exactly. You know? like, it's like, yeah. did you ever listen to um, the Daft Punk album... Um, I think it's just called Alive, Alive 2007. Yeah, yeah. The whole, their whole set is songs from all of their albums. And at that point, they had, what, seven albums or something? Mm. All perfectly mixed together. And you realize when you listen to it, 
that da- all of Daft Punk's music fits together. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Those goddamn uh, French robots. <laughs> yeah, dude. Those fucking <laughs> French robots. That's so funny that the French would invent robots and all they want to do is make like dance music totally. for like yeah, exactly. sexy models. <laughs> <laughs> I have reached AI perfect intelligence and I just want to party. Yeah. Another <laughs> digital baguette, please. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they eat? Eat microchips? <laughs> it. What do they eat? Yeah. What do they eat? Anyway, uh, I'm just saying, I've mixed up a little bit of variety in here. Also with shows. You which did, I, dude. Toy Story 4, I'm fucking pumped about. Alad- Live absolutely. action Aladdin, I'm pumped as fuck about. I actually am. Like, I've <laughs> Have missed, you seen the trailer? It looks great. Well, I've missed... I didn't, I didn't even really realize that's what Disney's been doing, right? Yeah. I think it was ever since Maleficent, which wasn't even supposed to be, but they were doing like live action Disney versions, you know? Yeah. And they're going to make a Dumbo one, which... Maybe I'll go see, but I think Aladdin's the first one. I'm like, Dude. whoa! I would love to. Go I want to see, see the Lion that. King for sure. Yeah, it looks good. You're more excited about Aladdin. Well, to be fair, the problem with say the Lion King is like I go, well, the lions. animals are all CGI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just an all CGI movie totally. where I'm kind of like. Will Smith is the genie, and I'm just going to be seeing Will Smith doing shit? You know what, though, dude? Did you see Beauty and the Beast? No. I didn't watch it for a long time because I just assumed that. Like, okay, so how is it different from a cartoon? Mm -hmm. It's fucking different, dude. You should watch it. Really? Especially the scene where the, like, she meets all of the silverware and clock and shit. It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. I like that town that she's that she's in where they're like, this bitch reads? Fuck you. <laughs> Don't, dude. Like, I am the baker. I can't believe you read. <laughs> That's in there too. Everyone they in actually, the town. What's great is they play that up. Uh, Gaston is for sure gay in it. Like, definitely gay. He's all the, right. Yeah. He's gay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, it's awesome. It's That's really awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked. I want them to make... When I was thinking about Aladdin, I realized that one of my favorite Disney movies is for sure Little Mermaid, and I really want them oh, to I've make been... a Little Mermaid live action. That's awesome. You too, Aristotle? Well, they just did. They are. Or they did? Yeah, or they, they're gonna. They're working on it. Well, Ar- someone... Aristotle's in the know about all DCs in her work. There, <laughs> Sorry, is, a, there is a live action movie called Little Disney Mermaid that was made yeah. that's a terrible B movie that's unrelated to the original story. Okay. I watched the trailer. You should watch it. It's crazy. It's like shot in a t- in a bathtub. The, the it's cra- crazy. The crazy thing <laughs> with Little Mermaid is it is uh, Disney getting its groove back, basically. Like yeah, they right. were in a huge slump for a long time, basically, due to like. Oh, was that the one, the comeback one? That was basically their huge comeback. Because Aladdin was the one after, and then oh, Lion no, no, King was Al- after that. No, Aladdin's right? a couple more after. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There okay. were a couple after. Little Mermaid is like in the 80s, I think, right? And that was like. Yeah, I think it's like late 80s okay. or something okay, like that. Sure. So like basically they had made uh, Black Cauldron, which had been a huge was flop. A flop. Yeah. And then they started cutting costs on their animation at Disney. So they started uh-huh. like recycling uh, animation cells or like scenes wouldn't be as finely done. Huh. I've really gotten very interested into like the directing well, of that's Disney. Right. They did have that period of time where they made the rescuers down under mm-hmm. for some reason. I remember seeing that in the theater. It was like, why is this... Why are they making the Rescuers movie again? <laughs> the the big uh, one, which is odd, is like uh, 101 Dalmatians. That's a huge Which one. is a huge movie, but that is a movie where they changed how they do animation 
uh, with greatly reduced like costs. Like, really? Firing animators. Yeah, like just like, let's do it as cheap as possible sort of thing. Yeah. But still hitting the Disney standard. And it was a huge success. So then they're, so they're like, like, let's do a bunch more like this. Oh, and right. And so that's that's why that style of animation is sloppy. Lady and the Tramp looks really fucking sloppy. Yeah, there's a The bunch. Aristocats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of the thing. And people stopped showing up. Right. They stopped liking these movies. And they were like competing. Basically, they fired this guy. I think, I can't remember his name, but it might be Don Bluth or something. He's an animator, director, yeah. and they fired him, and then he went to go make Land of Nim and uh, oh, The Land one. Before Time and American Tale, right? So he, suddenly Disney's got competition. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, those all outperform Disney animated movies. Yeah, It's like, yeah. oh, you are doing the shitty style, but you're really, you're better at it. Yeah. Than us. So fuck, we don't have the one thing that Disney had, which was... They excelled at making the most technologically advanced an- animated films. Yeah. Like Snow White is a, it's like watching a Avatar Marvel, right, at its totally. time. It blew people's minds. And you see it come back with Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like that's the one where the art it sharpens looks up. beautiful. It looks incredible. They worked on making her hair flow underwater, like figuring out that shit. Like animation is all about research. So the minute they cut the research department, it's like, well, a dog looks like this. Uh, it's right. like no no Disney gets the right. fucking minute details down I mean yeah that's always what they've been good at especially since a lot of it is anthropomorphic mm-hmm. the way that they anthropomorphize animals is like Lion King is the best example it's, totally it's, it's well, gorgeous the crab in and the, the crab in uh, Little Mermaid and then also what I was just saying all the, the silverware and the like items in the house oh, yeah. the way that they like fill personality into these things the detail well, is like, incredible a couple years yeah. back in Beauty and the Beast wins an Academy Award right like they're, they've got their groove back but then basically they kind of hit another slump after uh, Lilo and Stitch and then a couple I think it was like Brother Bear Spirit the Stallion right. um, like movies no one saw and at the time, Pixar had just come out with Toy Story. Right. They'd made a deal with Disney to like do all the merchandising, all the licensing. And then Disney was kind of like, you've got this. Yeah. Because Pixar had been working on the exact same principle of how do we make the most technologically the advanced thing and, and work on well, story Well, and their research teams and their sure. story teams yeah. work on those movies like eight years in advance. Have you seen those interviews about Wally? Like Wally. Yeah. What's his name? Fuck. One of the directors, one of the few directors who works for Pixar. I saw this interview with him about Wally where he was like, yeah, there was this meeting in like 1994 or whatever where they were forming Pixar and we came up with ideas. And those ideas were Toy Story, Cars, yeah. Bugs Life, and Wally. It was like <laughs> one of their first ideas. Yeah. But they knew it would be hard. I so think they instead just of worked. Cars, though, it was Finding Nemo. Oh, okay. It was That's... about a fish. Because Cars did come a little later, but I remember this thing. It's so fucking crazy. It's so cool that they like... And Wally was almost their first idea, and they just sat on it because they knew it would be hard to create that world, and they took the whole fucking 15 years to make it. That's incredible. <laughs> I no, yeah, never. I'm, there's not a single thing in my life that I've been doing for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> including eating and shitting coming no yeah i've only <laughs> been shitting for 12 years imagine and i stopped eating eight years ago <laughs> yeah i don't know i get i get really like uh interested in in the animation studios and like their work ethic and one that's really really fucking funny 
There's a, there's a documentary which Disney has worked to uh, erase, but you can always really? still, you can always still find it. It's called the Sweatbox. I think I've mentioned oh, no. it as a different <laughs> title on this podcast. I called it the Empire Under the Sun, which is what it was supposed. Like the movie was going to be called um, the Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that movie that came out that was going to be called the Empire Under the Sun. There's a documentary about it all called The Sweatbox, and it's just a look into Disney's like practice of like firing people and like being pretty cold. And it's like Sting was the guy they hired to create the music for it because of like Elton John's success on like Can You Feel the Love Tonight and all that shit. You know, so they're like, who's the next like British guy we can go reach out to? Let's get Sting. And like, the movie's so fucking fascinating because <laughs> Sting makes complicated music. Yeah. Like, literally all of his the his work with the police is fucking complicated. Yeah. And so he's really deep into, like, how do I make, um you know, like, Peruvian music? I want to learn the whole process. Uh-huh. So he spends, like, a year of his life, makes this album, and they're just gradually cutting it. And they're like, well, there's no longer this scene where they're just, singing about llamas in general Uh he's like that's the crux of the movie i literally explained their whole world how it's created from the llama and they're like yeah it's cut (laughs) (laughs) like there's just so many scenes just things like yeah all right (laughs) and then at the end he just walks he walks from the whole thing and they're like can we still use a song for the credits and he's like i I don't want to, but I guess. You know, like, Whoa. it's like, he made a whole album for them that they just threw away. <laughs> oh, my God. Because the movie's like this amalgamation of problems. Like, they made, like, a Prince and the Popper movie mixed in with, like, you know, body switching and, like, uh-huh. a, a love story and there's an evil villain. Like, there's just so many things. And basically, they're like, we have to really, like, streamline this in the Disney way. It has to be simple. Like... Aladdin is a very simple movie, and Little Mermaid is a very simple movie. Lion King, very simple movie. You know, almost like to their fault because people yeah. always point out, like, that's weird. Like, Ariel in The Little Mermaid gives up her voice so that a boy can love her. That's stupid. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's also a movie about a mermaid. Yeah, it's a <laughs> you fucking idiot. We need like, a simple plot point. It down. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and like, there's logic flaws with all, but that's the point of a simple children's story i mean yeah you could literally be like yeah. oh i see so aladdin's poor <laughs> like yes yeah that's like, <laughs> it's like being like hansel and gretel left breadcrumbs i mean how much fucking bread do these kids have i mean i'd lose i'd be out of bread within like 20 feet <laughs> so you're saying that a poor person can't be king yes yeah exactly. <laughs> it's what the world well is that's like. what this fairy tale world is yeah. like um, well, Hampton, I think that we've talked sufficiently about suicide. Um, <laughs> I think we have very quickly, really quickly buy Hampton's album, Abel, go to his website, hamptonyunt.com and f- get links for that. Yeah. Is, pre-sale is up. Thanks, and, man. Of course, dude. Thank and you. come to my album recording February 12th at the Echo in Los Angeles, California. It's in like two weeks. Yeah. You can get tickets at davetotheross.com. Absolutely. You can get my album at hamptonyunt.com. Guys, just Google us. We're right dude, there. Dude, just fucking, <laughs> just fucking You know what, man? Fucking also buy our t-shirts, suicidebuddies.threadless.com. <laughs> Oh, that's Sign right. up for our Patreon, guys. <laughs> these are beautiful shirts. We we made the y'all ever shirt. We post photos of them, happen. Dude. We made see. the y'all ever shirt, and guys, 
I love them. They they really feel like really nice. <laughs> They're so fucking ridiculous. We are stupid idiot people. Literally, when I wear dumb it, boys, I keep laughing. <laughs> Like when I'm out in public. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and then the other night I was doing a set, which I hadn't done a set in a bit. And, nice, um, and I also had to follow somebody doing a really like painful story on stage. So it was like, I know who. Yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I literally came up with the Y'all Ever shirt on and I just went into like, Y'all ever fuck a shit? Y'all ever take a shit Dude, and fuck it? And like so they funny. literally just told a painful story right in front of me. <laughs> and I was like, bad call. Bad Since- call. <laughs> Since starting this podcast, our um, our stand up, each of our stand up is just they're becoming the same thing slowly <laughs> because I do that all the time and it's y'all fine. Ever, y'all ever fucking <laughs> and well, we're just going uh, to become the same person in a year. It was pretty funny. I guess I walked up to the improv and I was like kind of laughing to myself <laughs> a little bit, a little high, but I was just laughing to myself. And then, like, I run into, like, Fahim Anwar, like, a great comic. And, like, we're just talking and, like, kind of mentions the shirt. And I'm like, yeah, I made this. This is to shame comics who do this form of And, like, he's, like, laughing so much. And then we're, like, watching the show literally on stage. We, like, turn and, like, the comic literally is like, y'all ever, uh, like, uh, you know. Yes! You're talking to your dad. and it's like, Dude, we should please, okay. We oh, should do a set, you and me. We should try this out. We should do a set together as the Y'all Ever Boys <laughs> and wearing those shirts and just see how it goes. We don't <laughs> even have to prepare. You just say anything. The Jerky uh, Boys will sue us. Yeah. Well, we're not the Ball we're the, Ever Boys. We're the, the Y'all balls, yeah. balls Ever. <laughs> That'll be the name of the album, Balls Ever. I think Boys is just taken. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> y'all Ever Men. Let's do this, dude. Who are we talking about this week? Uh, we're we're going to talk about another con artist. Man, you love confidence I men. I love confidence men. I love <laughs> con artists. It was while researching the other person I came across this uh, story. We're going to be talking about a uh, club kid uh, entrepreneur, big face of uh, club kid culture. Melania Trump. <laughs> Sean Kirkham. All right, cool. Yeah. We will be back. While you were sick, Dave, I had to sign up for one of our sponsors. Uh-huh. Uh, it was uh, Stitch Fix. Uh-huh. And I guess they're going <clears> to <throat> they're gonna give us some clothes. I tried to get it so that we could both wear it, but basically this website, I was doing it with Aristotle. I was trying to get through it. There's so many questions, and that's fine. They're trying to like make it really targeted clothing towards you. Yeah. But I'm also like, I don't... I don't want to answer all these fucking questions. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, I don't need, necessarily need a ton of clothes. Yeah. I've got too many. I got to get rid of. So I basically put us down in the algorithm that we wear tuxedos every day. Oh my God. What? That's amazing. I hope we just get one tuxedo, basically. Oh my God. Because you can dude. do it where you like, you're like, I just need underwear. Underwear, a ton of cheap, cheap underwear. And I was like, no, tuxedos every dude. day. James Bond buddies, dude. <laughs> We'll have to Hell share yeah, a suit. <laughs> we'll have to no. be James Bond who takes off his Fucking, suit. So, yeah, well, you know, another thing that we we could so easily change the name of this podcast to Die Another Day. <laughs> no problem. Uh, it's just Suicide Buddies, but wearing fucking tuxedos, dude. You wear the tuxedo pants, I wear the shirt. 
I'll die another day. <laughs> yeah. You got today, I will take Tamari. <laughs> Glad you're alive, die another day. Um, you're all my golden eye. I fucking wish I were dead now. Oh, I've got a golden knife for you. Give you a gold finger and yeah, I'll and give nope. Better. Stop it. I basically now. don't like James Bond is a big thing. Oh, you don't? As I've gotten older, I actually really like hate it. I like the movies when they're good, and that tends to be about fifteen percent of the time. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean I definitely like Casino Royale when that it's came amazing. out. That was awesome. Yeah. But like now it's like this thing of like when my dad's in town and there's a James Bond movie, he's like, We've gotta go see the new James Bond. Oh, and God. now all I can see it through is the eyes of a boomer and yeah. someone who's like, Yeah, a license to kill, and I just I just raw dog women <laughs> indiscriminately. Like I was in the theater what? with my dad and there was that movie. I think it's, uh, I don't know. It wasn't the quantum solace. It was specter. Maybe basically James Bond swims up to a boat. There's a woman taking a shower who he's oh, met great. earlier and he just walks in the shower and fucks her. Dude, and I'm like, my dad's like, yeah, no, I've always <laughs> like, hated that. I hate any fucking movie that evangelizes being old world male. Like, are we really not over it? That's kind of what I think James Bond is. Exactly it's, it it's is. It's catnip for older men of being like, imagine you can drive the coolest car and you get to shoot a waiter in the head if you want totally. to. Yeah, exactly, because he was mean to you. It helps you solve the case. You get to kill everyone who's mean, you get to fuck everyone you want, and you have a ton of money, and everyone has to respect you. I think that's mostly what it is. Like, baby boomer men are just like, why doesn't anyone respect me? And every time someone cuts me off on the highway, that's a statement about my entire life. Oh, God. This is why I go to Home Depot, because I like to look at stuff that seems painful to others. Uh, and like, I think it's honestly like Scooby-Doo for like old yeah, men, yeah, because yeah. The, the cases are being like, well, James, we have a new case for you. There's a man named Gold Hat. And then, and then like, you know, you got to catch Gold Hat. And then the next scene will be like a guy walking by the screen with a gold hat, and my dad will be like, hey, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's Gold Hat. Me too, Dad. <laughs> Me too. Do th also, do, do you think that's gold hat? That guy's picture was on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is Vincent D'Onofrio just walked across screen, so I'm going to assume it's him. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't cast him if the role weren't important. <laughs> that's so funny if you just... you. <laughs> understand that there's celebrities and you're like wow so weird Emma Stone's in this movie like oh, I wonder I hope she stays longer yeah I don't know she gets shot in the first scene what movie was it just watching Hostiles in the first scene of Hostiles like this What's family it's this really dark fucked up western with Christian Bale okay and I forget oh, who plays yeah. the, the role of the, the woman but her whole family dies in the first scene of the whole movie tight and she is the only one who's famous and I'm like and right. she's the only one who doesn't die. <laughs> and the whole time, right at the beginning, you're like, well, I wonder if she'll die. She's not going to die. The gang members are all like, wait, wait, wait. Not the famous one. Yeah, totally. She's on E! Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But Chief... We're not going to scalp Meryl, are we? <laughs> no, no, no. She's got like a seven-picture deal. We cannot scalp yeah, yeah. Meryl. <laughs> no, she was in doubt. Um, all right, let's talk about this motherfucker. Let's talk about this dude. Um, this dude is interesting because in keeping with that, I mean, he really wanted to be famous. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Not which me. is 
<laughs> no, nothing for oh, you. Oh, we're talking about nah, dude. No fame, no, no money. All right, I'll be sure to tell all of Hollywood. Dave Ross has zero. No, 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 no. I don't want. I know. I don't want it. Hey, take it back. Hey, take it back. No, 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 no. Um. So this guy, Sean Kirkham, he's actually very notorious with the club kid culture. If you like Google that song. Him. <laughs> and on the on the day of his uh, his Dave? suicide on the day of his suicide <laughs> uh, I'm sorry I'll stop being absolutely incorrigible by the way now. I did just say on the day of his suicide and that alone was enough for you to Dave? get in there on the day of suicide wait 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 on the day of um, his suicide Dave, Dave he is dead okay uh, he does seem like a bad man Okay. Well, but this is my podcast, and I want to have fun. Hey, mine too. Meet. Well, why don't we both have fun? I'm trying. No, you're not. So desperately <laughs> hard. Well, not hard enough, because I'm having a blast. <laughs> Trust me, this dude is laughable, okay. and it is like, he's not a good guy. I don't think anyone's taken that away from his story. It sounds like they interviewed all of his friends and family, and like no one had a a really nice thing to say per se basically he's a manipulative con artist okay uh on the day of his suicide he was supposed to go to trial uh because he'd been taking advantage of people mm-hmm. basically there was this serial killer in canada who'd been murdering a bunch of indigenous women like people who live on reservations and then sean kirkham like found the families you know it was all reported and he would seek him out and be like, I will put up a plaque to your dead missing family member and pay, pay me like $1,000, I'll, $500. I'll book the travel out for you to go see the plaque. Like he always would scam them in this way of like, you'll get to go see the thing. You'll get to go see the plaque. Whoa. And actually, like, I think three of them got made. And only one of them still exists. But he took orders for like 65 of these things. What? This is massive serial that is killer. the darkest <laughs> scam I've ever heard of. It is. So what's crazy about it is we'll get into his whole lifelong, you know, of, of scams, his life of scams, basically. But like some people are like, this might have oddly been Sean's way of trying to do a good thing. <laughs> Which sounds fucking crazy. Because he scammed so much that he only knew how to scam. So yeah, he yeah. wanted to like, well, I'll try to at least scam with a nice thing. Damn. Well, it's more like, I want to do the nice thing. And then it's like, ah, oh, shit, all I know how to do is scam. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Or like maybe he was like, well, I'm going to scam people. So maybe if I do this scam... Like, a couple people will get a plaque, and that's better than I've done before. <laughs> Three got built. Damn. I know, to scam the the victims of a serial killer. Basically, the families of serial killers. Yeah. Like, that's just so fucking Also, I can't insane. imagine that, that Canada is much different from the U.S. Like, mm-hmm. their indigenous community is probably not it's really bad. rich. It's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, totally. Fucked. Yeah, it's fucked up. God damn it. Yeah, I mean, so... Here's the thing. Uh, I think when I really look at this guy's story, it's like maybe a little bit of an evolution of that kind of character. Because mm-hmm. he's a sociopath. Like, to do this kind of stuff, um, everyone talks about him. He's, he's like a legit sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't understand that he, you know, is hurting people or doesn't care, you know? Just doesn't feel, you know, it. 
Uh, and that's the thing I actually, I, I, I kind of learned while looking into this. You know, people hear sociopath and they think evil, right? Going right, out of your way. You just don't feel. Yeah, you just have no empathy. It's like not yeah. evil. It's not good. It's like a lack and, of feeling. And you yeah. might not even actually be, say, like desensitized. You, like, you could be really charming. Your right. idea is, I don't care if I take... Oh, All yeah. of your money. I mean, a sociopath. You're an idiot. The way I that want a your money. Sociopath is different than a psychopath. Is a sociopath can learn to have the appearance of feelings mm -hmm. because they lack feelings. So yeah. they can just. They are actually sociopaths tend to be really good at making it seem like you matter to them. Yeah. You know what's yeah. crazy? I just found this out. There was a TED talk. I I can't remember the person's name, but it was really fascinating. Where they were talking about how they were locked up. Um, basically they committed a crime, like beat someone up, right? When they're young. And then it's like, I'll plead insanity. I'll yeah. say I'm like a sociopath or something like that. Right. So then they do get put into an insane asylum. And then after a certain point, they're like, okay, this is really horrifying and really awful. I'll just say, Hey, I was lying. I'm not a sociopath. Let me out. And then they go lying. That's a characteristic of being a sociopath. You are a sociopath because you lied to us to get what you wanted you're in so he couldn't leave for like two three years he couldn't convince people that he had just made it up whoa and because they were like yeah you made it up you should be in here because you're crazy whoa <laughs> i mean that the way crazy? that the way that mental hospitals work is so fucked up it's that that reality that that's legal for you to check yourself in and them to not let you out is bananas well that wasn't a guy getting checking himself in that was like him pleading insanity so oh, it's right, the state right. putting you and away he he and so they do have to put you through at least you know sure. tests and make sure but then when you're like yeah i lied i thought it'd be funny i thought well, i could get thing. out like, of it They're i guess like, that's what i mean is that it's like it's subjective since like your psych your own personal psychology is subjective it's just left up to them to decide whether or not you leave and i just feel like there's no way, there's no good way to do that. <laughs> well, the thing is, let's say this guy, like, it's like, socio being sociopathic sometimes is like a construct you make for yourself to just um, survive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So this guy, Sean Kirkham, uh, he's born in Canada. Uh, he, I think, was being raised by a single mom who couldn't basically take care of him. So he's being put up for adoption at like wow. a, a fairly old enough age that it's, really fucking affecting you. You got to go into foster care because your mom can't take care of you. He goes into foster... I didn't know there were even any Canadian moms that, like, couldn't handle it. <laughs> so Canada was perfect, dude. They're just perfect. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so, we'll just take him to the hospital, you know. Well, it sucks because he goes into foster care and it's like, you know, foster care is basically the best place anyone could ever be, right? Totally. It's the best place. You hear everything you hear. It's, <laughs> it's the only thing better than foster care is a boy's home. <laughs> and Sean is gay. And so mm -hmm. he tells his... And this is in what era? This is in like the late 80s because okay. all this kind of takes place in the 90s. Okay. So um, he's a kid... How old is he when he's like given up for adoption and goes to foster homes? I don't know the age of that. I think it is around like 10, basically. Because okay. when he leaves uh, his foster parents is around 16. He's very young still. Okay. So at 16... And did he know he was gay that young at age 10? No, that's just when his mom couldn't take care of him anymore. So he's in foster care. I don't know when he found out he was gay, per yeah. se. But at 16, he tells his foster parents, I'm gay. You know, and they do not take it well. And, and they throw him out. Wow. They throw him out basically. So 
he yeah. becomes like a homeless youth in like Montreal and then moves to New York where he's again a homeless kid basically you know so I think that is the exact like moment this is the correlating or whatever the important factor is getting put through the system and then no one really taking care of you and then the people who are supposed to take care of you are like get out you're gay it's evil and then he's homeless. Yeah. And it, like, I mean, he literally like lost his teens, basically. He right. never got a chance to really like grow up. So when you technically, usually when you become homeless, I don't know, like it, it puts you in a situation to have to learn how to survive, right? Yeah, you'll do anything. You'll, yeah. So that's what happens is he just starts kind of hustling on the streets. Yeah. It'll be like shit like, you know, uh, there's a laptop inside this box. Give me, you know, like. 10 bucks and then like there's newspapers in it you know like yeah. he's already run down the street you know like just yeah. hustling you know <laughs> whatever you can do to survive basically he starts getting into like club culture he's gay he's attractive he's young so yeah so this is like mid 90s at this point mm -hmm. club kids era yeah right okay yeah this is all kind of related to the party monster guy uh, who was played by Macaulay Culkin <laughs> I still have yet to see that movie but yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think that guy's name is Michael Alig, and uh, it's basically like the culture was about like let's do cheap parties, you know, like promo, get people out, get kids out, and like it's all about sex and drugs and just you know and '90s techno music, '90s techno, very simple techno music, <laughs> drag, yeah, totally. yeah, like drag remixes of techno. Yeah, yeah, it's like all just you know a celebration. But to be fair, it's like where he found his community. But the problem is, is like he was already starting to like just lie all the time. He'd scam people for like low level things of just like, how can I, you know, if I was to use me as an example, I was like, how can I get 10 bucks off of Dave today? You yeah. know, like just what lie could I say to get 10 bucks? So he's doing this inside the club scene. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's, uh, I guess that's a good place to do it. They're all on drugs. <laughs> well, <laughs> so like he starts going to, um, a club and I guess he's working as like a bouncer and it's for this guy the Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> <laughs> he starts, starts dancing at the Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> and that's why he's so smooth. He's a smooth boy. They make him smooth. <laughs> he's like a Thai boy. Yeah. Smooth. <laughs> this guy well, he's got so many razors. This guy whose club he works at called Club USA. Which is wow. a terrible name. I've heard of Club USA. <laughs> Club USA. That's like what the movie about these club kids is about. It's all about Club USA, isn't it? There's a lot about that. Yeah, it's okay. this guy who runs the club, becomes a main factor in his life. That guy is called Peter Gashian. Oh. And uh, he ran Club USA, and that's where Sean started working as a busboy, right? But okay. it's like, you know, still in this party culture where it's like, everyone's just fucking and whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. People are completely fucked up so fucked and he up. started taking advantage him and the bouncer basically would like go up to people and be like we uh we heard you you're doing coke give us the coke and then just take the coke and then sell the coke whoa be like get out you're, you'll be kicked out i see you doing drugs give me the coke whoa so he would just steal from people like blatantly <laughs> well, i guess like what else are you gonna do <laughs> Well, somebody says, give me the Coke. It's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I know. Leave. He's with the bouncer, right? Yeah. So it's just like, oh, I guess they'll kick my ass and I don't want to leave. Yeah, so. and they're like, wait, hey, I saw someone selling your Coke. And you look over and it's the bouncer and you're like, well, I guess I'll just <laughs> let that happen. 
<laughs> I won't get to come back here and experience. Because the other thing about the club kid scene is it's like the kind of thing that saves your life when you're a fucking kid in New York. Uh, yeah. You like the way that punk rock saves your life. It's a music scene and it's also a fashion scene. It was like kids dancing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it became their identity, the way that they dressed and pushing what they the lines to, the of way... fashion and experimenting. Well, I, and the was... lines of gender, you were saying sure. this. Um, yeah. Off mic. Before. Yeah, I was talking about it. So it's just like a, a scene unto itself that was different than the rest of the world. It was a pretty fat subculture. And so, yeah, someone like threatens kicking you out of the club. It could ruin your life. You'll do anything. Yeah. I would also really recommend checking out any uh, YouTube uh, interviews that had been uh, conducted with all the club kids because at the time, like club kids were like a thing like Marilyn Manson, yeah. you know, where they'd go on like Sally, Jesse, Raphael and be like, so I heard you, yeah. you like to go do drugs in a club. Why do you love Satan so much? And so they would just interview these kids and they, it's interesting to just hear them talk about it. You know, they're yeah. kind of disaffected. They really are like, you know, the culture has let us down. So we're forming our own culture and, they seem depressed. Yeah, I will say because they probably had to sober what? up for a little bit for that interview. What years is this happening? Um, <clears throat> I think this is all in uh, the mid nineties. So all the all these shenanigans of <laughs> ripping off customers. Yeah, uh, you know he gets fired basically uh, by Peter Gashian. Uh, but basically, like Sean had built himself up. In, in this world, like he'd become so known in parties and stuff. And like, he'd become a face of like club kid culture. So him and Peter just, you know, kept in touch. And so he'd be fired, but it was like, you get out of here, you kid, you know, like, uh-huh. I'm sure I'll see you again. And I mean, it's, it's important to just understand like how known Sean was because he used that as like his, his next kind of way to scam people. Okay. Basically, he moved to Miami uh-huh. after he got fired. He moved to Miami again, getting into the clubs. He never stopped doing drugs and going to clubs, basically. Sure. And somewhere along this, the FBI approaches him and is like, Do you want to work with us? No way. <laughs> yeah. It's like they want to shut down like club kid culture, basically. And he's like, absolutely, well, sure. Yeah, this guy who has no soul at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, he, lo- he loves the club kid culture, but he's like, money? Shit, yeah. yeah. And I get to lie and like take yeah. people down? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So he starts going to like parties all the time. And he basically, like, the FBI kind of wanted to know what was happening at these parties because, like, it started to happen where, like, celebs are going and, like, the wealthy elites are going to these parties and, like, buying, like, large sums of cocaine and stuff. So they're like, is this the new, like, drug trafficking? Like, we want to shut it down. Mm-hmm. So they would just send <laughs> uh, Sean to parties, give him money to go get fucked up. And he would go get fucked up and then come back and be like, yeah, this guy gave me coke and this thing happened. Like, That is insane. He was getting bankrolled to go get fucked up and party. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, at this time, um, basically, he'd already been like lying all the time to people and people would kind of be like, I don't really know what to make of him, you know, but he's, he's my friend, you know, sort of thing. But he's running scams across the world also how he was doing this thing where it was like a rental scam where okay. he, he would 
like advertise to people who are from another country, want to come visit America, stay in a hotel or get an apartment, right? Like buy an apartment. And he would just be like, yeah, there's this place right here. Here's all the photos. Give me some money. Oops, there's no place. Wow, one of those people. Yeah, <laughs> so people would show up and not have a place to go. Whoa. And like a part of me, like when I was reading this, it fucking dawned on me and it actually does come in at the end of this uh, this article I was reading. Like the person who'd kind of been studying him is like, I think this is what's up. Basically, he never had a home and he just, he didn't see what was wrong he thought it was actually kind of funny in a sense. You know oh, what right, because I mean? he didn't have a home. To be like, yeah, you come over here, like, you don't have a place to stay. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> right, because he had to deal with it. Yeah. And- wow. That's fucking <laughs> hilarious. And I think that's kind of good for him, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah. At a certain point, you're like, oh, you're I a mean, sociopath, but good for you. You found a you found a you way. You found a way to flip the world off. <laughs> At the very least, I respect the like, oh, is this hard? Is this hard for you? Hmm. Yeah. I wonder who else might have found this hard. <laughs> Perhaps me when I was eleven. <laughs> oh, does this scam remind you of my childhood? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe there's a reason I'm scamming you right now. Yeah. I mean, you should I, call my parents. I am obsessed with con men. And it's like we just did an episode about Whitaker Wright, who was more like, you know, a Bernie Madoff kind of like, I've got a Ponzi scheme, you know, and I'm, I'll rip people off. But he was well off. He was kind of always, you know, semi well off. Whereas yeah. this guy is like, I. I guess I wanted to make the point that I think when your your life literally gets fucked and you have nowhere to go, right? Like you're a homeless teen on the streets. You learn to scam, sure. You're Aladdin. Yeah, for real. No, <laughs> Aladdin, truly, Aladdin that's was not surprising people. to me at all. You're like robbing people, and then if robbing doesn't work, you lie or you learn to do both. I don't know. The reason we love Aladdin is because after he steals that loaf of bread, you know what he does? He sees two orphans. Cracks it in half, gives it to them. Right? That's the save the cat. And that seems like something this guy would never do. (laughs) He would never, ever in a million years do. Yeah. Apparently, when he died, all of his friends didn't believe he was actually dead. Oh, wow. They were like, really? He says he's dead? Because that is exactly the kind of thing Sean would say. Wow. (laughs) He's in Australia. (laughs) No, yeah. It's like, you just never knew what to make of this guy. Uh, which sounds kind of scary. I would I would never in any way want to know somebody who could just not know if they were lying to me all the time. So, yeah, the FBI is paying, bankrolling is getting fucked up, and so it's going well. He's actually really successful. They love him, right? Okay, yeah. Um, he goes to New York again. He goes back. Yeah. Uh, and this time he's like, you know, hits up his FBI connections. He's like, hey, I want to rat on people more. And they're like, let's set you up with the DEA. And it's like the perfect timing because it's the time of Giuliani Uh who wants to clean up New York City, right? Dude. So, yeah. Yeah, Giuliani wants to clean up New York City, the scummiest dude on the earth. This is like late 90s by this point, then, right? Yeah. Because I think that's when he was literally, that was the era when he was like arresting jaywalkers Mm. and shit like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Giuliani literally cleaned up New York City. Don't let anybody tell you different. That was the, around that time I was going to punk shows all the time in like New York, just north of New York City. And basically every show I went to, someone 
either one of the bands or someone in between the bands would go up and be like, yeah, uh, thank you all for coming to the show. I just want to say real quick, um, fuck Rudy Giuliani. Uh, let's all try to get him the fuck out of office. All right, cool. Punk rock saved my life. See you later. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can't give Giuliani such, such bullshit. He cleaned up the city, Dave. He went every street in New York City with a broom. And he cleaned it up. Dude, he was doing shit like like they would catch someone smoking a joint, the person would swallow the joint, and the cops would give him the Heimlich. Oh like my God. Crazy, crazy fucking shit. But he cleaned up his shit. <laughs> yeah. He'd look he at a homeless a guy. And he shoved it down their mouth. He'd look at a homeless uh, guy, and he'd just start spraying him with Windex in the face. He was yeah. cleaning up the shit he made. <laughs> He wiped the city clean of homeless people. He wiped the city's ass. I think it was maybe, I don't know if it was Giuliani, but at one point, so there's a city in Orange County, New York, which is where I'm from, Mm -hmm. uh, called Newburgh. And Newburgh was at one point the, like, the newest New York City. It was like they built, when they built the city, there was like this riverfront and they built all these beautiful new apartment buildings and then like manufactured downtown. And there was going to be all this like culture and our or so north of New York City. And then the homeless problem in New York got really bad in the 80s, and they just fucking bust all the homeless people to Newburgh and didn't tell Newburgh. They just fucking ruined the city forever. Surprise, motherfuckers! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, it is truly like a tough, awful situation to be homeless, but that is just so funny that the city would be that callous. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so fucking insane. They just didn't care. Yeah, that's a way to deal with it. Just send it off. Newburgh, oh yeah. Oh, they have a homeless center? All right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's send them Five, five, five fucking thousand homeless people. So during oh this whole Giuliani cleaning up the city, working with the DEA, uh, that's when uh, uh, Sean starts working really with Michael Alig, that party monster guy. Mm-hmm. And they're both working as informants, basically. Wow. And there's another guy, but they're all just working as informants. And uh, it's pretty funny because they all are fuck-ups in life. Right. Like the party monster guy literally killed and dismembered his roommate and he like tried to like dissolve his body a little bit and like you know lime and then cut up the body like damn he just can't he just got out seems like that guy might have been high on weed The Green uh, Devil. Yeah, dude. Reefer Oof. Madness over Reefer there. Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. I smoked a joint and I shot up a school. Boy. Reefer it just, Madness. It just gets me too relaxed. I know. <laughs> and I start thinking mass shootings are okay and chill. More like Smokey Hook. <laughs> Um, Do we understand? That was a really awful joke I just made. That was a ter- that was a very mean, evil joke. Uh, folks, you're gonna want to YouTube uh, Sandy Hook. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna want to YouTube uh, make believe Narnia fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that a man um, could steal a rifle with high capacity <laughs> rounds and murder a bunch of people—that's crazy. <laughs> I can't think of anything so nuts. It's a lie. There's a reason they call it the lie and the witch in the wardrobe. <laughs> Women are evil. <laughs> the lion witch in the wardrobe. The li- yeah. She hides in your closet. Lion ass witch she in She lies to you, that witch. <laughs> <laughs> she's not a good witch. She's an evil witch. 
so that guy Peter Gacian and that flying um, monkeys fucker and, uh, <laughs> my wife cheats on me the <laughs> guy Peter Gacian that um, uh, Sean you know still knows and is like partying like this guy doesn't know that Sean's like the one who's like shutting down you know p- getting people arrested and mm-hmm. stuff it's like he has no idea that all these insiders are like fucking him over right so it's funny that like while Sean is like trying to shut this guy down and going to his club and like doing obvious drug deals to try and get it shut down. Like he's also still running low level scams where he's like, I have Madonna's number. Give me a thousand dollars. And like, you can call her like, just like constant lies. And it's like that, that could really ruin a DEA's case. If you're like fucking around. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, <laughs> like wow! All of the inf- all of the informants do the same sort of shit and just keep getting busted to where it's basically Sean. His the Michael Elite killed a dude and dismembered him. <laughs> like right, it was like right. Okay, it's coming down to Sean, and Sean's <laughs> a wreck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like uh, in interviews, Kirkham would like brag uh, that he's like. I can get any club shut down. Like, and, like it's it. I do it for fun. Like, it's fine with me. Like, wow. I just have to go call in a drug deal, get shut down. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy because it's like he at the same time cannot stop partying and yeah. doing drugs. But it's how he's like kind of making a lot of his income, and you know, he's running a number of other scams. It's funny because there was like this guy who an FBI agent who wrote a book about just um, the shutting down of like clubs, you know, under Giuliani. You know, every FBI agent when he retires, he's like, what did I do during my career? Let me write a book. Right. You know, and so it's like the taking down of club culture in America. Totally. So when he would. The thing that makes me feel good (laughs) by Dr. Cop. Dr. Cop. Can we sell that show? Dr. Cop. To Fox. Absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Cop. Yeah. Damn it, a- Dr. Cop. You can't amputate his arm. He's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> he uses that hand to touch children. Cut it off. Cut it off. <laughs> also, what do I know? I get. I just got a PhD in botany. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a real... <laughs> what are you a doctor of? Magnets. Mag- yeah. My daughter of magnets. Electromagnetism. <laughs> I studied ma- studied magnets at MIT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Magnet Institute of Texas. <laughs> you'll never get away you'll never get away with it, Dr. Cop. <laughs> Who does Dr. Cop arrest? All of the people he saves? I saved your life. You're under arrest. <laughs> yeah, totally. Get in the car. <laughs> Don't touch my plants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we killed Aristotle. That's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, Dr. Cop. Botany Cop. Um, it's so funny because basically... Oh, what I was going to say is, so uh, Sean is getting interviewed by that FBI agent, Dr. Cop, basically, (laughs) (laughs) who wants to find out about him. And Sean is like the weirdest sociopath where he's like, just use my name for the book. And he was like, if I do that, you'll, you'll go to jail for some of these crimes that you're still like, 
you know, that could still take you away from that. <laughs> He's like, ah, okay, uh, Sean Church. <laughs> so he just changed his last name, and the DA, the, sorry, the FBI agent is like, I just, for the life of me, could not understand why <laughs> this man who's deeply undercover is still so fascinated with becoming famous. And it's so funny because it's like, it is kind of club kid culture. It's like, you're supposed to be like, the standout yeah and that's kind of what his appeal was that's why he got invited to all these clubs is he was like this wild dude and yeah. like you know he dresses in um, insane fun outfits and it's like you're trying to be famous but then it's like well shit um if i get famous uh i'll I'm go not. to prison for forever <laughs> because i'm too famous you know like that's so interesting that even though you're an fbi informant there are still things you can go to prison for yeah well i mean like you know it's they they do deals, but it's like you know if you like killed a ton of people, it's like you're or you has know. he killed people? No, but it's like a ton of drug deals and scamming just people. Ton, and just tons. I guess of also publicly bragging that you can they, get clubs closed is weird. Like, Interviews with what he was like just famous in the club scene and like yeah. magazines would interview him in this culture. No, no. What Inter- you said that magazine. he said in interviews, he would brag Sorry. in interviews. He could it was close an interview with Doctor Cop. Oh, he was writing a book about all the busting the club culture. That Got it. In those interviews. Got he interviewed it. him multiple, multiple times. I'm and just picturing would- him on TV being like, "Yeah, I'm an informant." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, dude, no, it's not far off because really? that Michael League guy, the party monster dude, like. Part of what led to him getting busted was during an interview. It was like, "Yeah, we killed him." Wow. Like he just said in like <laughs> this was like a TV interview, and he he did just say, and then like wow. later on he was like, "No, I was saying like you would love it if I just said, yeah, we killed him." You know, like it's it's a little too muddy. Like Whoa. I think you, they're just flirting with this confidence of like, yeah, I can say whatever. This yeah. is why I said really check out interviews with these guys because. And I've looked into kind of the research of all of this group. They all kind of register as sociopathic and they have shared mental illnesses that they talk about. They're like, (laughs) no, we're all crazy. Like, we were all crazy homeless youth who were getting paid to throw insane parties. And how it actually started is really interesting. It wasn't just clubs. Like, they would do kind of like flash mob shit. Like, they'd go to a random McDonald's in the city, just like 50 club kids and hold like a very quick impromptu rave. Crazy. Yeah. And then drugs and shit got involved. But at first it was like, no, we're going to freak out the normals. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go express ourselves. And then it was like, well, now I want to fucking do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it just like expanded. Every single subculture after two years becomes about fucking and doing drugs. Every <laughs> single one. Yeah, that might be completely accurate. Except for maybe Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their music sucks. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, so this is what's crazy, right? So he's doing all these deals. He's seeing his, his other informant buddies getting busted for stuff. He starts getting nervous, and he does the fucking most wild shit. He basically writes um, Peter Gatian's legal team, you know, because he's being taken down, right? Mm-hmm. He writes them, and he's like, I'll give you guys, like, a ton of information. Just give me money, right? Yeah. And his legal team, like, immediately, like, looks at each other and is like, this is massively illegal. Like, oh, you're going down. Like, they just... He was the guy that was, like, testifying... And they're like, oh, you just like called us up and are like, I'll do illegal shit. <laughs> like, you're busted. Wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. 
It does not go what good for him. What a fucking lunatic. Yeah. I mean, he just thought he could like, like kind of, that's what I'm saying. That FBI guy who interviewed him, he was like, it's just the most insane bra- bravado yeah. to think you can turn the tables on like the FBI, the FBI. and shit. Yeah. And like <laughs> the wildest thing is also during his trial. Okay. So when it, it, it then gets turned on him, right? He then, <laughs> Sean Kirkman basically comes up and he goes, uh, that FBI agent made me suck his dick and he paid me and I've been like abused basically by him. Like he starts, what? he starts calling out his contacts as being like, they've all abusers, like, me sure. and they're abusers. And the, fun, and the, huh. the guy, the FBI, Dr. Cop, who's writing the book, he goes, the funny thing is it was the most wild shit you could possibly do during a court case is mm-hmm. to suddenly call your accusers that they all like raped you and shit. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is it it threw their legal team for such a loop. <laughs> they had no defense and no way to really argue it because like all they could then they had to treat it legit. Be like, okay, well then fine. When did you suck his dick? When did the you know amounts get exchanged? And it's Whoa. like, well, I already spent the money. Like it's it was in cash. Like he could just keep saying shit. Wow. So it's just like they got him, but it really fucked up their court case for him. And it like it really fucked up their case where he got like a much reduced sentence. Sentence. Yeah, in which so that he only spent like he spent like a couple months in uh, well, in prison. Do you know real quick what the charges were specifically? Because he's just done so many things. Right. At this point, basically, this is what's <laughs> funny because I wrote down. Um, well, the case was literally against him for like trying to throw them under the bus. Yeah. Okay. Right? Uh, after being found guilty, he fled to Vancouver, was rearrested, and spent 57 months in prison because his statements, quote, had undermined the credit credibility of government employees negatively affected the careers of the DA agents and it caused the prosecutors professional and personal embarrassment. So basically they put him in jail for being like, you can't just say we suck our dicks. <laughs> wow. Asshole. It's funny that it, they didn't just call it slander. Like they had to write that out in the Yeah, you professionally you, embarrassed me. You made my wife mad. <laughs> I mean, really. Because yeah. they were like, well, it's kind of legit. It's, and actually, it's funny. The FBI interviewer guy goes, "It maybe it was real, maybe not. We don't know. But I like that he then just dignifies it. He's like, Whoa. maybe. Wow. I don't know. But what was he on trial for in the first place? Was it for like... Well, at this point, this was because he tried to turn the tables that's right. on them. I just wanted... He was just suspicious before that that he would get busted because... He'd had a ton of crimes against him. He could still do time. He didn't want to do any time. And like his associate informants were all going away. The right. one guy murdered and the other guy also. So was he basically tried crimes. to blackmail the FBI, yeah, right? And, yeah, the DEA and, and that's the FBI. illegal. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. At first he tries to exactly blackmail him and then he lies in court. So they're just mm-hmm. like, You suck. Mm-hmm. So right. he goes away. Seven months. That's yeah. Almost five years. Yeah. Wow. But the funny thing Dang. is, every time he gets in trouble and gets out, it's like party culture is Again. still like, Sean! 
Sean's back! No way. Even though he's the guy, no one really has any idea what he's really like. <laughs> he's just... Him and Michael Oleg were like the most known club kid. Wow. Promoters, you know, uh, faces of the culture. Yeah, so it's so funny that he's always like welcome back with open arms. <laughs> wow. Well, at this point, uh, he does kind of... I mean, he still goes to clubs, but he stops trying to do the club kid scam, right? Or like trying to be an informant at that sure. point when he's out. So he goes to Canada, uh, <laughs> just keeps doing his rental scam. He, oh, okay. It's never stopped. He just keeps doing it. And it's funny, like, people are like, <laughs> if he had just done that and kept doing that, he would have been fine. Uh, probably like no one would have caught up in time. Like these, these scammers get away with it for just so long, you know, but like he approaches this, a gay porn star Uh as a fake, like modeling agency. Like, I want you to come do like an event in Budapest or some shit, you know, like just wild out the ass lies. Like he wants to fuck this guy. Yeah. Right. His name is Roman, uh, Ragazzi. And basically, um, He's a porn star, but that's like kind of private in a sense. Yeah. It's not like a ton of gay porn stars are known. And he has a job at the United Nations Israeli consulate in Canada, right? Yeah. Like, so that's basically the, all that gets leaked to his job that he's been doing porn. And he gets like fired. It gets like released in the news, like page six. They're like, it turns out gay porn star working at the United Nations Israeli consulate. <laughs> wow. And it's like, this world sucks. And it's like, who do you think leaked that information? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Sean was like mad that this guy had basically turned him down. Oh, he approached wow. him for a thing, uh, you know, this like modeling thing in Budapest. The porn star calls up his agent. His agent looks it up and he's like, that's not real. The porn star then is like, you're not real. This is not real. Sean it then is just like a monster who's just like, all right, I'm going to leak the fact that you're a porn star. Like, you know. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. it's It sucks because, okay, so this is again like how it's sociopathic like Kirkham kind of was. At the time... Uh, he was like kind of bragging to a friend. He was like, yeah, I got that fire- guy fired. And guess what? He killed himself. And he hadn't. But years later, that dude killed himself. Oh, my God, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like he kind of wow. was like, called I ruined it. that guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, dude. He's like Babe Ruth calling the shots. <laughs> yeah, totally. He just points at a tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and so basically, he's doing this scam. He starts lying to like an insane amount now at this point. He's not really like being an informant, but it's like he tells people like he's in movies that he's not in. He's like, I'm in the movie Paris is Burning. I'm in Boy Interrupted. Like, or sorry, the episode of Boy Interrupted on Sex in the City. Uh, he just lies. He's like, I'm on an episode of Sex in the City. Like, just you know, fun, <laughs> fun little lies that people are like, I don't what? think so. <laughs> And like he, okay, he left a Jackie Cohen auction with tickets to Belize paid for with bogus checks <laughs> and actually managed to go on the trip before they noticed. <laughs> so he would just like write fake checks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this is all leading up to him scamming people whose family were killed by a serial killer? Yeah. Basically, it starts leading up to that, basically. He's, he's running that um, uh, rental scam 
And it's so funny. Like they were kind of like, this guy is a known con artist. He's like gone to prison for, for the shit. He's known in the club kid scene as a con artist. Right. Yeah. And they're like, he has never changed his name. <laughs> and there it's, yeah. it's interesting to think of a con man because basically what they're like, that was his thing is he's like, if I was a con man, I would have changed my name. Oh yeah. Like I would be hiding something. I'm just telling you exactly who I am, <laughs> but it's like all lies. Wow. So it's pretty That's fucking funny. That's like the funny. ballsiest shit of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's also like kind of what that, that like traps you eventually because then people are looking for your scams. Yeah. So yeah, like he starts, uh, he gets this contract from the city to basically make these like plaques. And there were like early on, like people were, a city councilor, Carrie Jang, was suggesting that you can't trust Kirkman to finish this project. Um, and then here, he would just basically sue anybody who said anything bad about him. So when they're like, we don't think that like city council is like, we don't think you can finish this product. He just sued that guy. Well, somebody that he's, he's taking a job from the city and he sues the city council. He's <laughs> like, you can't do it. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> he's just such a complete manipulative asshole. So, um, he, uh, was being brought to trial for this this scam. This uh, you know, people caught on that he wasn't making good on these plaques, and that he pocketed the money, and it just kind of was like the last scam. You know, it was like day of um, his his trial for it. Wow. It wasn't even the arraignment. He's just like, I'm going to jail. Fuck it. Like, damn. Yeah. A life of conning people and it just kind of ended. But I mean, it's like, if you look at like, it's like after he died, he's still affecting people with his cons. Like these families that he's like yeah. completely fucked up. A lot of them were like, I couldn't afford to that pay that 500 bucks for the flight. Like I yeah. never got that money back. You know, it's like, damn. It's interesting too that someone would kill themselves who was just so... um blase about feelings in their life like it is a little fascinating to me well because he went to jail before Mm -hmm. it seemed like his whole mo was i'm just gonna do shit i'm gonna do whatever i want and i'll get in trouble sometimes but generally i won't yeah well i think for this i guess it probably seemed like he was gonna go to prison for a really long time well i mean that's definitely probably true but like I think it also comes from like the narcissism attached with being a sociopath, right? Like the reason you think you can get away with that is like, fuck you, idiot. I'm smarter than you. Or like, I've put one over on you and I feel fine taking advantage of you, right? And it, so it's putting yourself in this very lofty position. Like, I'd say, you know, (laughs) I don't want to make a direct comparison to Trump, say per se, but like, he he seems to think very highly of himself, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I'm just saying like, if you're in that position suddenly where it's like, I have to go to prison. Like I fully believe Trump would blow his brains out if he had to go to jail for even a day. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, the, interesting. The blow to your ego is like, wait, but I win. I don't lose. I don't lose. I'm I the win. winner. I'm the winner. And I guess if no one can understand that, I'm going out a winner. It's, but he already has been to prison and didn't kill himself. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, 
I think maybe he knew what he was getting back into. He didn't want to go back. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. like he did go yeah. through the system once. I mean, after a lifetime of scams. So dude. maybe a part of him thought he could get away from it. It's so weird. So maybe, dude, he is alive. <laughs> <laughs> dude, yeah. maybe he lives in the, the hollow center of the earth. <laughs> With our super smart. Like the mole man? No, we have the there's a hollow center to the earth that has a uh, advanced race of humans living in there. You didn't know that, dude. <laughs> That's true. And the earth is also flat. <laughs> uh, January twenty first, twenty sixteen. One of the more recent ones we've done. I'm sorry, uh, you know, if it doesn't sound like he actually had any close family, and uh, sure, it sounds like his friends were kind of like didn't even believe he died at first. He he kind of. It still sucks to talk about sucks. something that could be raw in some people. Yeah. I feel like the big takeaway is just the, um, you know, when you're put in this kind of survivalist mentality, you have to, like, build up a personality for yourself that makes it okay or you'll just die, right? Like, you'll... Yeah. You know? I mean, so, I guess I that's know. the other thing. Like, his entire existence was being... Yeah, like you said, the winner. Yeah. He was just... Dude, can you imagine like going to parties and being like, I'm just going to inform on all these motherfuckers. And to be able to do that, to have an entire night where you have a blast with those people. <laughs> and then you just wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, here's the people that should go to jail. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dan, who I hung out with for seven hours. And you know it's like an enemies yeah. list sort of thing at a certain yeah. point where you're like, well... I'll rat on the guys I really hate first. Oh, sure, of <laughs> course. Like, like, get them out. Yeah. Well, so it's clearly, no wonder he was like the one of the remaining faces of the party. He got rid of he all rid his of competition. All the, totally. Yeah, especially since he like actively punished that porn star who wouldn't fuck him. He clearly had been doing that to people the entire fucking time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that is that like because of his actions, you want to not have sympathy for this person, but like where he comes from, I mean, it seemed like it was just a powder keg ready to burst, and it's incredible that he went so long. Yeah, it's like I don't necessarily have sympathy for it, but I do have empathy for it because sure, it's like that's a good way of saying it. Like Whitaker, right? That guy before, I'm like, it seems like so much more like being sociopathic out of almost nowhere. Whereas this is like, I don't know what I would be doing if I were in a similar situation. Yeah. If I'd been, you know, raised by a single mom who couldn't take care of me and put into foster care and then they like, you know, clearly isn't working out for a long time up until they kick you out. Yeah. You know, like, and then you're homeless up until, you know, you're in your 20s. Like, you know, you're just living and scamming people. Like, yeah. And it starts small, but then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you know? Yeah. And so for that reason, I go... I could see myself being that person. I just, I, I don't just, think I'm better than that, you know, per se, but sure. I, I think it's awful to do it for sure. Well, I don't think I'm better than anything. To be fair, I think yeah. I could be an awful person. Sure. <laughs> if I really put my mind to it. <laughs> yeah. It really wouldn't be that hard. I mean, also, yeah, it's not, I don't know. I think it's pretty easy to put yourself in people's shoes like that. I mean, all that would have happened for you or I to be like that would be, I guess your wiring is one thing, but like to be kicked out on the streets for being yourself, the psychological ramifications of that are huge. You know, um, yeah. I hate it when people don't have empathy for homeless people. 
specifically homeless people because I think that I always see I I always feel like I'm pretty close to being homeless. And even if I'm wrong about that, there not that much would have to happen for me to be homeless. And that's true for most people. I think if you become homeless, we should put you on a bus, <laughs> ship you to the I knew, furthest part I could tell New from York. the look on your face <laughs> that this was just about to become not serious I at all. I could tell by the look uh, on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Behind blue eyes. <laughs> uh, well, Hampton, this is a great episode. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, dude. I appreciate it. And guys, I swear I'll back off of doing con men as soon as it stops being incredibly fascinating to me. <laughs> 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 um, let's promo some quick stuff. Suicidebuddies.threadless.com. Buy our shit. Buy Hampton's <laughs> album, Abel, on his website, HamptonYunt.com. Please come to my album recording in L.A., February 12th. All the info, DaveToTheRoss.com. We have Also, websites. we got a new Patreon bonus episode up this week. Mm-hmm. We talk about the song People Who Died by the Jim Carroll <laughs> Band. We also talk about Disney movies yeah, a lot. I don't know why we talk <laughs> mostly about Disney movies. But we did focus on punk rock and Jim Carroll and Basketball Diaries and People Who Died. Eh, for a for a minute, <laughs> no, we got into it, but I think that's the appeal of the Patreon is like we kind of have a loose like we're getting into this, but we allow it to be a little bit. Matter of know? fact, here's a little clip of this week's Patreon episode what? for you to check out what it's like. Wrote a bunch of books, wrote a bunch of poetry, toured doing readings and stuff like that. I think he probably just liked um, to write literature more than make music. Maybe he should have died. And he did die. He died. He's dead. He died actually on September 11th, 2009. Because he's a fucking patriot. Absolutely. He believes in this country. And he knew. That's actually true. That we should never forget. You told me that right before the... Mm -hmm. He's dead. He died on September 11th, 2009. Eight years to the day after the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center (laughs) in New York City. All Uh, my friends that died. (laughs) Uh, Eight years to the day after a satellite from POD hit the shelves. (laughs) Uh, Jim Carroll died. Hell yeah, dude. That's a sample of our Patreon. Go there, sign up if you would like to hear more bonus from us, or if you would just like to contribute to us, it's patreon.com slash suicide buddies. And uh, as always, we fucking love you guys. You're the best fans on earth. Email us buddiesbuddiesbuddies at gmail.com if you want to ask us anything, suggest a suicide to talk about, share your thoughts. We're at buddiespod on Twitter. And... Um, yeah, this was a really fun one, man. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks guys, for listening. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, see you guys. See you guys next week. We are glad you're alive. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, folks. If you're actually actively thinking about suicide, we would hope that you would call 1-800-273-TALK. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They do incredible work, and they are better equipped to maybe deal with such a serious thing. Dave and I love you, and we want you back each and every episode. Thank you. Thank you.